0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Brewcast from Maze & Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom. And Chris Castellani and well we got some we got some bad on the podcast today, but we got some good on the podcast today. Fellas, how we doing? Uh
2: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, do you want me to sit here and lie to you and say everything's great? Do you want me to come on here and and say, Well, stay? it depends depends on what sport you're talking about, right? I suppose it does. But even you know, it's we all know what the elephant in the room is, and we will discuss it. Uh, you guys have heard me speak on it. You've heard everyone. Like, like I said, I don't want to bog you down too much with hammering with my opinion on it, but we have to address it. I mean, as much as we want to escape to shooty hoopty land, um, which we would get to, and we have a lot to talk about there, um, I think each of us kind of need to – just need a a safe place to to vent and and give some takeaways. And then we burn the tape and and hope this never happens again.
3: Chris, how are you feeling, man? Uh, You know, part of, you know, one of the suckiest parts of this whole thing is actually the fact that it was all for all intents and purposes, a pretty good weekend of sports. I mean, uh, congratulations to our Central Michigan yes. Chippewas. Going Unofficial CMU
2: football podcast here, yes.
3: Yes, <laughs> a remarkable job uh, by Jim McElwain's crew. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Michigan basketball here in uh, a few, but an overwhelmingly positive start to this season. Per- on a personal level, my, uh, my alma mater, Lansing Catholic High School, oh, yeah. won a state championship, which is very cool. So you know a lot of good things going on, and yet we find ourselves here yet again after another. I, I, you know, I almost don't want to use the term disappointing because we knew coming into this who the better team was. But this was this was this was somehow, one of the scenarios year, in
2: play. It's it's not like
1: this was a sh- stunning like last year. Um, I mean. Right. To me, the only disappointing thing from this game was kind of the sloppiness, the, the times that Michigan shot themselves in the foot because they needed to play a perfect game to win, and they made more mistakes in this game than they probably have in any game all year. Yeah. And dumb yeah, mistakes. I
3: mean, yeah, Army and Wisconsin were pretty mistake-riddled games as well. But yeah, I mean, it, and, and in fairness, mistakes in this game are going to be more magnified, and they should mm-hmm. be. But when you play a team... Uh, as quality as uh, Ohio State, you can't can't make mistakes. You have to play perfect. And with every mistake that kept adding up, we kept thinking that one's going to come back to bite them, that one's going to come back to bite them, and they all did. And at the end of the day, Ohio State puts up 56 more, which is only a slight improvement over the 62 they put up the year before.
1: I thought the offense looked good in the first half anyway. Like, if we're taking away silver linings, this has kind of turned into a silver linings little podcast we got going here. You know, all the good that's going on. I thought the offense looked good in that game. But, like, at the end of the day, this result doesn't surprise me. And Michigan has the ball down two scores with about 12 and a half to go. I mean, I don't know. It kept me entertained. I'm more interested in, like, the aftermath of that game, though, because I told you guys on the podcast that, people were going to talk themselves into Michigan having a chance against Ohio state. And when they ultimately lost people were going to lose their nuggets and they were going to, you know, talk about firing everyone and whatnot here and there. And maybe that's justified. Maybe that's not, but what, what were you guys is like, I don't know, takeaways from the game after the game, future sort of thing. Like, are you guys, which, which kind of, are you guys on the fence? You guys like, no, we got to wait it out. I have my well, yeah, thoughts on this, but I want you guys to to yeah. open floor here. Here's what You know, what before we'll we do. talk about um, basketball, just just give me what I you're be The last person to talk here because
2: like I said, I did 36 37 minutes of this on Saturday night after the game. So, I will chime in with some things I've thought of since then. Most of our audience, some of our audience maybe has heard that. That could be a nice little addendum to what I say here, but I would like to hear Just open the floor up for for you, for Chris. Not even a debate. Just here. You have the floor. Let it rip on everything. So, um, no, because Mm – yeah, go with Chris. Chris had a good weekend. Lansing Catholic. Shout out to those guys. We'll start with Chris here. Did they hand out program win hats after the game?
3: Yes, exactly. Um, (laughs) Well, no, but they should have because they they hand – well – out, they're going to get state title hats. That, that'll that be the most important thing, even but, better. Uh, yes, um, and much more important. You know, the, the how I felt after this game, uh, very deflating because one thing that kind of kept ringing in my ears, one thing I kept going back to is Chase Winovich was wrong. Last year wasn't a mirage, yes, Michigan laid the egg of all eggs in that game, but. It was very apparent watching this year's game and last year's to a certain extent that the Ohio State football program is simply leaps and bounds ahead of where Michigan's is right now. And that's not even meant to be a huge insult towards Michigan necessarily. And I've talked about this last week and a couple other weeks where Michigan's inability to win this game, uh, not just win it consistently, but win it at all or come close to winning, it has a lot more to do, I think, with what Ohio State's done right than what Michigan's done wrong. Now, should Michigan have more than one win in 16 years? 100 million percent. And coming up short, and not just coming up short, but getting slapped around in this game consistently year in and year out is unacceptable, straight up. But, you know, Michigan's got a good program, and anyone who says otherwise is wrong. They have a good coach. They're winning eight to ten games a year. Guys are staying out of trouble and graduating. Guys are going to the NFL. It's a good program. But it appears right now like they are still light years behind Ohio State. And even coming into this game, as good as Michigan was playing the previous two games, we all knew coming into this game that Michigan had a weaker team. We thought maybe if something amazing happened, maybe Ohio State turns the ball over a couple times. You know, Maybe somebody has a bad day. Uh, maybe the weather makes a difference. Then maybe Michigan pulls off an upset. But what's what's startling about this isn't even so much the fact that they're they're so far away. But every how many years on the last sixteen seasons, really, have you gone into the Michigan Ohio State game believing that Michigan was the better team? I mean, m- maybe three. I mean, you know, twenty sixteen, maybe a lot of people would say last year. Besides that, Ohio State's been more equipped to win this game. And I don't buy into any of the narratives. I know Justin Fields made made his comment about how he thinks this game matters more to OSU. I think that's garbage. And I think that's a little bit insulting, quite frankly, to the the players in Michigan's program. There's guys on the sideline who cry after this game every year. And they they give everything to this program and to this team. And they show that in post-game press conferences when they're tearing up and talking about how much this hurts. So I think to spin that narrative and, and to kind of make that seem like it's anything is is insulting. And I think if you're a player, you should take offense to that. But, you know, this it, this is getting tiring. And it is every single season. We we want to believe that Michigan can get back to this point, And maybe one of these years, maybe something amazing will happen. But right now, the toughest part about this is not necessarily the fact they lost. It's how far away it seems right now.
1: All right. Don't. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Let it rip. A lot of thoughts. We're here for you. I'm going to try and condense it as good as I can. I want – I want – I want – yeah, well – my thing is, there's there's so many different points that, that I kind of want to talk about that people are talking about out there. Uh, one being the coaching. And we say that there is a big coaching difference. And maybe that's true. Maybe a lot of that, you know, a lot of those mistakes has to do with coaching. But jumping off sides when your head is literally next to the football, when you're a three-year starter and a captain, that's not coaching. That's a that's a senior Khalik Hudson knows the ball has to be snapped before he's allowed to cross the line of scrimmage. Like that's not coaching. That's just that's just players, Michigan players, I don't know, somehow maybe they're they're building this game up in their heads so big that they're too amped up to even think out there. I don't really know what it is. Cam McGrone hitting Justin Fields three steps out of bounds. You know, untying J.K. Dobbin's shoes. I thought that was personally hilarious, but That's, you know, neither here nor there. It's a 15-yard penalty and whatnot. Like, here's my thing. People are talking about Don Brown, right? You got to get rid of Don Brown, and he's the reason that Ohio State's doing this. Like, Greg Madison was on this Michigan staff since Brady Hoke took over. He was a part of one win against Ohio State back in 2011. Like, if Greg Madison is your defensive coordinator, do you really think that you're going to win that game? yesterday do you think it's going to really go any better because that's the defensive coordinator that beat you Well, there's like i don't Je- think Jeff it's Halfway the coaching too, just to, it's you know, the players coordinator, just at the end out. of the day like greg madison has better players to work with and, and there's ways you can kind of close that gap and, and yeah right absolutely like they didn't just become better coaches by going to columbus they got better pieces to work with, and Michigan needs to close that gap on the trail. I don't really care what anyone says on that front. It just needs to happen. The D-line got dominated by a much better offensive line, and that is on the coaches to go out and get better players, but at the same time, like there's only so much that they can do when you're recruiting against a juggernaut that is Ohio State right now. Right now is the thing. You need luck to beat this team. You need a lot of luck. Like People are talking about Gus Malzahn and beating Alabama think of how lucky Gus Malzon has had to get many times like they won a game yesterday or on Saturday against an Alabama team with their backup quarterback their Heisman candidate quarterback not playing their backup quarterback they still needed a missed field goal and they had to throw the punter out at wide receiver to confuse Alabama for a five-yard penalty or Alabama's going to get the ball back with a chance to go down and tie like the kick six was one of the wins. Like, there's a lot of luck involved in beating a superior team. Michigan just hasn't. Michigan's been the opposite of lucky, to be quite honest with you. They've had bad luck. J.K. Dobbins, on the first drive, Michigan goes down and scores right away. That You get the missed extra point, which still uh, makes me so angry. But J.K. Dobbins fumbled the ball on his first carry of the day. And it bounced up right back to him like he was dribbling a basketball, and he takes it in stride and goes for like 20 yards on his first carry. Like, the all the breaks need to go your way in order to win this game. And Michigan just hasn't had those breaks. They're not going to out-recruit Ohio State. It, it needs to get better. You need to close the talent gap. But I don't think firing Jim Harbaugh or the coaching staff, that's not going to really do anything. No one, is, no one you bring in is going to close that gap between these two right now. What needs to happen is one of two things, I think. I mean, well, one, you, you wait it out. Like, Dabo had to wait out Florida State. You know, you think back on it. Florida State rotted from the inside with Jimbo Fisher. The accountability was not in the program. Things started to rot from the inside, and ultimately, you see where Florida State is at right now. Willie Taggart ended up being a scapegoat for what Jimbo Fisher created. Once Florida State, who was dominating Clemson for many years, once they rotted from the inside, the program took a downwards turn, Clemson stepped up. They were right there. They were waiting. They were building a program, and... That's almost what needs to happen here. Ryan Day is an excellent coach. What We don't know if Ryan Day can lead a big-time program. You know what I'm saying? And accountability in every facet of that program. I Maybe he can, maybe he can't. And if he can, we got a lot of years of losing to Ohio State left. The other thing that needs to happen, the only other thing that can happen that I think, and I don't think it's firing Jim Harbaugh, I think it's James Franklin taking the USC job because Penn State and Michigan are fighting to be the second-best recruiters in the Big Ten. If James Franklin goes, who's an excellent recruiter, by the way, if he goes and Penn State brings in someone that Jim Harbaugh can consistently whoop on the recruiting trail, you can close that gap a little bit with Ohio State, and you need a little bit less luck in the future games. One of those two things needs to happen. I don't think there's anyone you could bring in that's going to magically fix this thing right now. Ohio State's on another stratosphere. Michigan has been great under Jim Harbaugh. It sucks that they keep losing to Ohio State, but at the end of the day, man, it just is what it is, and and that's what I got to say.
2: Okay. I guess is it my turn, then? It's yours. (laughs) Floor is yours, friend. Uh, Let me say this. Should you fire Jim Harbaugh? Should he be on the hot seat? No. No, I do not believe that. I think that a lot of the points that both of you guys have brought up are valid. I think that there is an obvious gap. And I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, Ryan day through, I mean, we'll see what time says, but through, you know, 15 games that he's coached now at Ohio state, he is a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. Ohio state has better recruits, better players than Michigan does. Ohio state has a better pedigree over the last 20 years that Michigan, than Michigan does. Those are the facts. It's not that, you know, oh, well, um, you know, their guys don't go to class and blah, blah, blah. I've seen a lot of excuses the last few days. Now, here's the thing. Does it change by changing head coaches? I mean, can you can you go out and get a head coach that you know for a fact will have this team in this exact same spot winning nine, ten games a year, maybe having a shot to win a Big Ten title? No. No, you cannot. Nobody can guarantee that because no matter who's a home run hire, no matter who's seen as a bad hire, college football head coaching hires are a total crapshoot. They are. I mean, go look at some of the best graded hires from over the years. Go look at, you know, everyone thought that Nebraska was going to flip the switch under Scott Frost. They're they're in just as bad shape right now as compared to what they were before he got there. Here's my thing, though. When it comes down to where is the biggest gap in this rivalry? Ohio State comes into this game every year. And yes, I know Ohio State the last few years, obviously not this year, they have been prone to slipping up in a game and getting run off the field against what? Purdue and what was it, Iowa or, or it was Iowa. Yes, it was Iowa. Um you're never gonna you're never gonna catch them sleeping because like Michigan State did before you know, to use an example, you know, how Florida state has kind of cannibalized itself from the inside out, Michigan state's done the same thing. When Michigan state was winning these games against Michigan, when they were winning big 10 titles, they built their program around not only beating you, but embarrassing you. And no matter what Ohio state does to a certain degree list, like if they don't win the big 10, win the national title, their fans will be pissed. But if you don't beat Michigan down there, that's a huge problem. So when I, when I, when I see that, you know, the comment from Justin Fields, when I see comments from Charles Woodson, former players that they don't think this that they take this game seriously enough. I do put some stock into that. Now, the question becomes where is the biggest gap here? Like I said, the biggest gap is Ohio State comes ready to play and they don't make mistakes. And they don't they they know who they are. They're confident in their chances. Michigan has gone into this game against Ohio State Twice, 2016, 2018, with with what I believe to be a better football team. And in both games, one of them, obviously, I know it came down a sp- to a spot at the end of the game. But in one of those games, you made enough self-inflicted mistakes and soiled your pants that you lost that game and cost yourself a shot at Indy and a shot at the Big Ten title. 2018, you never even got off the bus. You were out coached, outplayed in every facet of the game. Despite the eyeball test, every metric in the world saying that you had a better football team going to that game. This game Saturday, this was not. This game did not get out of hand, you know, in the first half or in the second half, just because Ohio State's better than you. It got out of hand because you couldn't stay out of your own way. It got out of hand because your senior leadership fumbled in the red zone. It. it got 15 yards for trying to take off a player's shoe. It jumped off sides on a punt. It, uh, you know, those things can't happen. And in the vacuum of one game, you can say, yeah, it's on the players. But we see these miscues. We see the, you know, these mistakes and being out of position. We saw them in the Wisconsin game. We saw them for the first half of the Penn State game. We saw it in the Ohio State game last year. We saw it in the bowl game last year. We saw it at Notre Dame last year. What more do you need to see? You know what I mean? So when, when we sit here and we go, well, you can't, you know, Jim Harbaugh, things are stable and you can't fire him. I agree with that. But at the same time, they have four to five years of, of tape on their resume to where he does not have this team composed enough to compete in these big games. And that's what I take issue with. I, I realize that there is a talent gap. Listen, I know. You look at Ohio State's class next year. They've got eight top 100 players. You know how many Michigan has? They have one. And they have another guy who's ranked 107th. That gap needs to close. And you need to start building your program around beating Ohio State. And that means you have to recruit better. And you have to change some variables. I know that Don Brown, listen... I don't believe that this – I just – at some point, the results are what they are. You need to change some variables on that side of the ball. They did that with the offense last year, and I know it took time and they took some lumps, but guess what? It paid off by the end of the season. Now, some mistakes on Saturday cost you a shot at at keeping this game close, but you were tit-for-tat with them for about the first quarter and a half, and then you pooped your pants. Again, when it happens this often – and when they play that uncharacteristically in big games, I don't know who that falls on other than the coaching staff. So that's kind of where I where I see right now. I mean, if we go um if we go into next season and this is this happens again, you go eight and four, nine and three, I I, I think it can I think it's fine to, to have that conversation. Right now, the conversation is We need to change some variables. We changed our offense last year. Don Brown's been here for four years. It's not working. We need to figure out how to get better Uh, and recruit better. So, I mean, you can overcome that with with a different coach or different scheme. Fact of the matter is, you just need to get better players in there. Um, And and I know you got to be able to coach up guys and you can't always stargaze and things like that. But that's where I see this at right now is that your head coach needs to prepare the team better. I mean, when when I see it, you know, I see an emotionally unstable team at times on the field. And I think it's it, it, that is reflective of your head coach. When you go into a press conference and someone asks you what, I mean, whether you feel like it was leading or loaded or not, someone asks you a question and you take it as an insult, you're, you're an adult, you're a man, you're coaching men, you're trying to teach men. Players will take on the personality of their head coach. And I think in these big moments, they've been either not, I don't want to say not emotional enough, but I feel like that maybe they're overamped. I don't know what it is, but something has to change. I think at this point, all you can do is go into the offseason, change a few variables. And also someone on this team, a player on this team, a group of players on this team. And I said this in the podcast the other day. need to step up and say, you know what? This bullshit, this 56-27, this shit is not acceptable anymore. And when they start feeling that way, maybe the fans will start feeling that way too. Because I see a lot of resigned fans and, you know, oh, that's okay. We still have, you know, we're a basketball school and yada, yada. And that's okay. We're still, uh, you know, at least our players go to class and we have dignity. Shut up. This is a results-oriented business that they're in. Win games. Find a way to get it done. If there's a change you want to make, you have the budget to make it. If it, there, There's nothing this this program, this athletic department can't do if they don't go out there and and, and say, we're going to make this right. Someone needs to be held accountable because what's happened the last two years is absolutely unacceptable. Period. And that's the tea.
3: Lucky
0: Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: Chumbacasino.com
0: No purchase Forward for limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I will end it on this. I don't think... That a new coach will make a difference. However, I also thought that when John Beeline left and Juwan Howard took over, I thought the basketball program was going to take a sharp dive. And boy, was I wrong about that, guys. Because the start to this season has been nothing short of spectacular. Is that the right adjective to to use? Um, Unreal? Surreal? It is. I mean, on a very unexpected. I I'd say Waller accurate. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it because I'm I'm watching this team in Atlantis and they get up big on Iowa State, kind of let them crawl back into it late, uh, similar to the App State game. Watch them do something similar to UNC and then just beat the doors off of Gonzaga and I'm I. I don't know. It, it was a surreal week to for, to be a Michigan basketball fan, but what a run And Juwan Howard, Phil Martelli. They've got this squad playing incredible. This is one of the deepest teams in America, and I I still can't believe it. What, what I mean, what what are you guys' thoughts on this team? I don't I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I think we're we're so disarmed
2: right now from like the first twenty minutes of this podcast <sighs> that we're to to go from eternal sadness to eternal optimism that quickly okay. is just, it's kind of jarring. Right. But yeah. I, I think, <laughs> uh, what do we say about this team? I mean, Juwan Howard is, is, has absolutely knocked it out of the park so far. He has them playing confident. They're playing loose. They're playing, um, you know, they, they've all completely bought in. I mean, if you have any questions about how they feel about this guy or if they bought in or not, I mean, go in there and look at, go look at the the, the team dancing with the trophy after that game on Friday I mean, this is, I'm glad that they were ranked inside the top four. I mean, right now it's one of the four or five best teams in America. Now there are a lot of teams right now, like North Carolina, like Gonzaga, um, you know, like Michigan state, like Duke, who are just kind of still sort of feeling their way through the early part of the season. And like I said, you give credit to Michigan and their start for how they played. Um, even the way that they've played, you know, that they opened the year. And you got a nice win over Creighton and even, the win over Iowa State, you're like, all right, you know, tip my hat. You just you go out there and you hope they can compete the next few days. Not only do they compete, they win both games against North Carolina, against Gonzaga, and not only do they win those games, they kick the kick the tar out of them, the the, the Tar Heels out of them. If you if you're into the pun game, um, I've been so impressed by them. Uh, Jawan Howard is pushing all the right buttons right now. And, and like I said, you've got a big test ahead of you on Tuesday night <laughs> against Louisville. I mean, they're going to go into a road environment. Do I expect them to win that game? I don't, but does it feel like it may have felt a week or so ago? Uh, no. I mean, I'm excited for it. Um, it's going to be another nice measuring stick game. The, the thing I'll say is that I, I think, again, I've talked about on here before. All I'm really concerned about is what happens next. Um, It's it's all fine and good that they're playing well now. The hope is that they're not peaking now. The hope is that they can continue to develop, and I I I see evidence that that could be the case. Franz Wagner returned last week. Uh, We can talk about him in a minute here, but you know that with him coming back, they can go to a nine man rotation now, and you know they have at the very least I think seven guys who at any given time can can score buckets and bunches and, and give you some really really good minutes. So. Um, credit to Howard. He's, you know, we'll see how he does. Like he's had chess matches now against, uh, excuse me, Greg McDermott at Creighton, a guy who's won almost 500 games in his career. He's had a chess match with Iowa state's head coach. He's had a chess match with Roy Williams. He's had a chess match with Mark few. And in all three of those games in Atlantis, they got down early. Like people don't realize that. And not only did they march back from that, which is commendable enough. They, they, pretty much did whatever they wanted in those games, the rest of the game. So every single test, I mean, on the recruiting trail, again, you would have liked them to uh, be able to sign Isaiah Todd. Uh, We'll see what happens there, but even he, a guy like uh, Isaiah Todd, who's committed, and then guys like Hunter Dickinson and some of these other players who are waiting this out. You have to think that last week was about as good of a good of a showcase or scenario as it can get for them. So, I mean, since the moment he's been hired, he's made the right assistant coaching hires he's he's done the right things he said the right things he's worked incredibly hard the recruiting trail and and it seems like with every passing game he's getting better as a head coach and like I said I if you want if you're looking to grade his first month on the job officially with games starting it's it's an A++ yeah. as far as I'm concerned.
3: All right. I will I agree with all you, everything you just said and I'll reiterate some of it. Uh I will start off with a little bit of hesitation here and just say uh, and I don't think we've brought this up yet, but right now Michigan is number four in the country after being unranked last year. A, a historical climb. And it's something that's never been done before. I'll start off with a little bit of negatives and say, I don't personally believe that they're, that Michigan is one of the four best teams in the country. Just I'm um, being honest. Now, no, man, rankings... In te- I agree with that. The rankings... Are especially at this point of the year, are dumb anyway. So, if we're just basing it on pedigree so far, accomplishments so far, yeah, sure, they they belong in that spot. I still, based on you know what they've lost, I still have a hard time believing that they're the fourth best team in the country. But, but what this team has done so far, especially in Atlantis, has been awe inspiring and. They are playing with a confidence that we we barely even ever saw them play with really in in the Beeline era. I, I mean, they and they are shooting the ball so well. They're still fierce defensively, which is something I think we all kind of worried about, especially after using Yaklich Michigan in the last couple seasons uh, had become a team that was known for its defense. And we've seen guys who might not be necessarily be getting it done on the offensive end, like Brandon Johns, who have played some really good ball defensively. On the offensive end, Simpson continues to be one of the most reliable point guards in the country. You know, not going to light up uh, the scoreboard necessarily, but he's going to pad a stat sheet. Really good at distributing the ball. I think Isaiah Livers is going to be in the NBA very soon. Teske's been good, but the the most exciting part of all this has been the guys who've stepped up. The because I think in general. We we knew Livers would be good. We knew Simpson would be good. We knew Teske would be good. The question marks were, and what we kind of said at the beginning of the year, was this team can be really good if Brooks steps up and DeJulius steps up and Castleton steps up, and maybe if Franz Wagner turns out to be the player that people are kind of projecting him to be. I don't remember it, like what we've seen so far from Brooks and DeJulius. They look like guys who are... You know, fourth year seniors who've been starting all four years. I, I, it, it's remarkable seeing the confidence they're playing with. I think David DeJulius, once uh, Simpson leaves, is going to take his spot and run with it. He, I think, and probably as much as I love Z, probably has more upside than Xavier Simpson. I think he's a better shooter, better scorer. This is a team that has officially become a national story. It's a really cool story that this team that lost a lot and look, we we did a podcast the day after Beeline. Ret- Uh, not retired, but went to the NBA, a lot of depressed people, including myself. It felt like the end of something, but ends lead to new beginnings. And what Howard has done so far early on, I think, you know, we still have a long ways to go though. Out coaching uh, Roy Williams and Mark Few is extremely impressive. Uh, We still have a long ways to go. Will he be able to get his team through the grind of a big 10 season? lot, a lot of stuff that still needs to be proven. But it's undeniable, like you said, Anthony, that this team has completely bought in. And watching him in interviews and watching him on the sidelines, you can tell this is a guy who's going to be able to get a whole lot of players that he's going to want at this university because he's, he's a likable guy. He's a basketball mind. He loves Michigan. And it's it's exciting to watch this team grow just from where they were. I mean, if you talk about improvement, where they were, at the Creighton game, compared to where they are now, is is leaps and bounds beyond what we where we thought they'd be. So, thus far in the year, obviously tomorrow's a big game. They've played a lot of basketball recently. They may be tired tomorrow, but no matter what happens, this has been an A plus start to the Juwan Howard era. Absolutely.
1: I got to say, I disagree with you guys a little bit. I absolutely think Michigan is one of the best teams in the country. And the things that gave me pause, they've kind of, I don't know, they've proved me wrong. I didn't think they were going to have good outside shooting this year. I was wondering where the outside shooting was going to come from. Isaiah Livers has been fantastic. Eli Brooks has been fantastic. Franz can knock down the long ball. Teske has been a monster. Teske, right now is playing like the best player in the Big Ten and one of the best players in the country, not only offensively, but defensively. Those were the things that gave me pause. How well were they going to play defensively? They've been tremendous, but they're not relying on their defense to create offense similar to what we saw, you know, um, last year. And I think this offense is even playing a little more uh, free-flowing than they have in the past. So... I really do think they're one of the best teams in the country. They're one of the deepest teams in the country, and they still have a ton of talent, and I think the sky's the limit for this team, to be quite honest with you. I know it could be a little bit of a mirage similar to what happened last year, but uh, uh, if they continue to shoot the ball the way they're capable of shooting it, this it, they're going to contend for a Big Ten title this year.
2: Yeah, and something I want to make clear about, at least from my point of view, I can't speak for Chris here, but when I say I'm not sure they're one of the four best teams in country now that's just because I need to see more um, I think maybe a little bit of that is based on last year how they started out so hot and then wound up only going to the sweet 16 I think that what I just need to see them continue to develop um, and I think some people are taking this as an announcement to the world that they're a national title contender uh, they may very well be especially you know the way they look right now if they continue to play this way yeah, I, I'm not ruling that out at all, uh, and I don't think anyone, any of us expected that this year. With that being said, like because they are ranked fourth now, isn't necessarily a projection of the future. I, I think that there's a chance that there are still three Big Ten teams that, are, that could be better than you heading into conference play. Michigan State obviously being one of them, though I have questions about them. Uh, Ohio State, Maryland are, are teams that uh, – you know, they'll also be duking it out. So I think what I've learned about this start, I guess all I'm saying is that I think the only thing that's really changed for me is that instead of thinking that they could maybe fight for that third or fourth spot in the conference, they, if they play like this and they continue to get better, they have a shot to win the Big 10. Uh, because I don't think that, um, at least not now. And again, we know that that's that's the thing too we know that Michigan State might be struggling now but when we get into late January into February into March we know what they'll be we don't know what Michigan's going to be yet so I think the thing of it is you know it's maybe it's just kind of emotional hedging or or I don't know what you want to call it but I think how I feel right now Yes, they've earned where their what their ranking is right now. But these rankings in the grand scheme of things, I mean, again, it's nice, it's awesome. They tied uh, 1989 Kansas, also moved from unranked to the number 4 spot at one point in their season. It's hap, you know, it, it it's historic. This doesn't happen a lot. And and Michigan has earned the right to be in that class for now. Got a lot of game, you know, a lot of tough games still count up. You you've got Louisville on Tuesday night. You've got Iowa at home at Friday to open Big Ten play. You're going to play Illinois. You're going to play Oregon. That's your next four games. So there's a lot of work to still do um, and a lot of games coming up. and, And even, you know, there's a chance there could be a come down game or two. I wouldn't get freaked out about that. I wouldn't call them overrated. I just, this is where we're at in the process right now of all of these teams, of all of the teams in the country and the way that they've developed and played this first month of the year. Michigan walks out of November as the fourth best team in the country. That's an incredible achievement, and um, it certainly raises expectations, but uh, we'll just see how it goes from here moving forward. Do I think that they're magically an elite eight or a Final Four team now? Not necessarily. I feel a little bit better about them playing into the second weekend of the tournament, which I feel like regardless of if it was Jawan Howard or whoever the coach was going to be after John Beeline, I felt to me like, we talk about what expectations are at the university of Michigan, Michigan basketball is a program that should be playing on the second weekend of the tournament. And as far as that expectation goes, I feel pretty good about where the the type of hands that they're in right now. So hats off to them an incredibly hardworking group, a very fun group to, to watch, to develop and to interview and things like that. We'll see where it goes from here. But I, I think that I'm questioning less and less Juwan Howard's ability to lead this program. So uh, shout out to him. Shout out to all those guys for the work they put in. And uh, anything to I add, Chris? So. We'll see where it goes from here.
3: No, I, I agree with all you said. It, with everything you said, and pretty much uh, whatever doubts I may have right now, it's it's no, it's nothing on the players. It's more just the program in general. I guess I have I have a hard time buying in to like already the idea of is it really this good like is it possible that this program has actually not missed a beat with you know a, someone as great as John Bline leaving it it seems almost too good to be true and maybe for that reason I'm a little bit skeptical but that has more to do with me than it does the players they have been uh, a joy to watch thus far and and one I guess one final thing that uh, kind of goes overlooked is I think Franz Wagner is gonna get there obviously but they have done pretty much this entire thing with or this entire run with him as nearly a non-factor played pretty um, played better against Gonzaga but he's clearly not 100% and that goes to show already that this is this is such a deeper team than anyone could have expected maybe even deeper than they were the last couple seasons which is remarkable
1: yeah it's going to be a very telling couple of weeks I mean couldn't imagine a better start for this Michigan team still got Louisville uh coming up well tomorrow as we're recording tonight potentially as you're listening or the game already happened depending on when you're listening Oregon coming up to start a Big Ten play coming up so uh, it's gonna be a whole lot of fun and guys well let us know where we can find you on social media Chris I'll start with you
3: all right, you can get me on Twitter. That's at Castellani twenty fourteen. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two o one four. That's my mainstay. I uh, live and breathe my Twitter page. Tons of content coming out with uh, Michigan football and basketball, and obviously the hot stove heating up for baseball. Things are getting exciting, so that's uh, that's where you want to go. And movie reviews as well. Um, if you want to uh, follow me on Snapchat, my Snapchat handle is the same as my Twitter. I do have a YouTube page, which I'm trying to figure out what, what to do with. But if you want to see the link to that, that's on my Twitter page as well. And if you want to see me on Instagram, that's Chris Castle 95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Please follow me on all those platforms.
1: Anthony, how about you? Uh,
2: I just want, I'm just so tired, so burned out. So don't, don't, Hold anything against me for what I've said in the last few days. Uh, four games in four days will do that. But you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website on Twitter at Maison Brew. You guys know the deal. You can go search Maison Brew podcast wherever you get your shows Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places and subscribe to us. I think the podcast schedule may be changing a little bit. We'll see what happens. Uh, now that there's no football every week, there's a little bit less to talk about. But something tells me we're not quite done talking about Jim Harbaugh's 2019 Wolverines. So we'll have we'll have a bunch for you. The bowl bowl projections coming on or bowl destination coming on Sunday. So um, we'll have some things to discuss. But um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm I'm gonna go into a bit of a
1: hibernation here now. So shout out you guys. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi L U K E G H I A R D I. Remember to follow the Brewcast Show page on Twitter as well at Brewcast Show, and that's going to do it for us here today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Mason Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Mason Brew and the Podcast Network, and we'll be back next week with a new episode of Brewcast. Thanks for listening.